Hey friends, I'm Ray Kozak, and you're listening to Jesus in the Center, One Year Bible Podcast. So glad you joined us. We're going to roll through and grow in faith here in 2024. You want to grow in faith? Yes. Yes, I do. I want more faith. Well, how do we get faith? We don't look within. We look without. That is to God and His Word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. So we're going to grow in faith as we hear the Word of Christ that comes to us today. Our readings today come from Genesis 8, 9, and 10, from Matthew chapter 4, from Psalm 4, we will pray that, and from Proverbs chapter 1. Well, there's so many good things here. You might have gotten bogged down a little bit as you're reading Genesis 8, 9, and 10, especially chapter 10. It uh, talks about the, uh, it kind of fills in the gap about the nations that um, come from the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and um, the focus there is is more on the sons of of uh, Ham, which is Canaan, and the you know the, those nations that will be in the land. Also, um, Shem, and that is the the line where Israel will come from. So more more focus is is on that. Not every detail you might have guessed is is in here. Moses is not writing us everything, but he is telling us the story of the coming of the one who would fulfill Genesis 3.15. Remember, Adam and Eve fell, and then God takes up war against the enemy that deceived them. Genesis 3.15 says this, I'll put enmity, or hatred, between you and the woman, and between literally your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. There would be a Redeemer who would come, and uh, a seed of the woman, and this one would crush the, the head of the enemy, in so doing, his heel would be crushed. In the NIV, it uh, uses the words uh, bruise and strike, uh, or crush and strike, and those are the same words in Hebrew. It's just translated different ways sometimes. Well, anyway, uh, let's take a look at Gen- uh, Genesis chapter 8. Uh, we won't go too much today in detail, but a couple things. When you see in the Bible, when it says God remembered or we remember. It's not so much a memory thing, but a salvation coming to us. So think of that when you hear, God remembered this, or remember your covenant, O Lord, whatever it might be. It's it's a the actual happening of salvation, or it's a coming into that salvation. So whenever you see that word remember, it's used differently in the Bible than, you, than it's used in, in everyday life. So at the beginning of Genesis 8, it says, God remembered Noah and all the wild animals. D- did God forget? No, God had not forgotten them. But here it means he brings his salvation to them. Well, what does that mean? M- Noah has been there in the ark with uh, the animals and uh, his family for about a year by the time he gets out. So uh, God brings his salvation. He frees them from from this, uh, this box that's no longer floating and... Uh, We'll see there. We won't focus on that, but there's a lot of interesting things there. What is interesting is that Noah comes out of the ark, and as a man of faith, he takes some of the animals. Remember, most of them came in in pairs, but some came in sevens or seven pairs. And Noah takes some of these, this is verse 20, and he builds an altar to the Lord, and he takes some of the clean animals and clean birds, and he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. And this you'll see throughout the Bible, but a burnt offering is, it's often translated a whole burnt offering. It is 
uh, a sacrifice near the whole animal to God. And it's this prefigures what Christ will do. He will give his whole body and soul for us on the cross. And, uh, you know, beautiful thing that this has to be accompanied with faith. And so here, verse 21 says, The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Never again will I destroy all living creatures, and so on. And then God says, Be fruitful and multiply when you get to chapter 9. And then he, we've heard the word covenant a few times. A covenant is this agreement that, that is between parties. Sometimes it's between equals, sometimes it's between a Lord and a servant, and that's what this covenant between God and man is. The covenant is basically this, I will not destroy the world again by water, and I give you everything to eat. Not only did I, in the past, sanction all the green plants, now I sanction animals. Likely animals were already eaten before the flood, but now God sanctions it, and yet, Interesting in, I guess this is verse 5 and 6, it says that uh, it's so important that the, the man and the woman who comes out uh, to live after the flood, um, that God wants to protect those lives. Unlike all the violence that had been done before the flood, which is one of the reasons that um, God sent the flood to start over, God wants to protect life. He's a God of life. And so he says over and over in this passage, be fruitful and increase. Uh, verse 6 says this, words of God, that whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. So even after the flood, we see that we are made in the image of God. Even though God all, all also says our hearts and the intentions of our heart are wicked. Uh, so that's an interesting thing that God still makes us in his image, even though we are we are twisted. All right, well, we won't focus much on that, but another thing that uh, that I reflected on is, is Noah. He's a righteous man. He trusts in the Lord, yet he, at some point in time, uh, he, he grows a vineyard, and he drinks a little bit too much wine, and, um, and he shames himself in nakedness. Who knows? what all this means. Uh, we could delve into it, but we do see that his son Ham um, sees him and he doesn't, doesn't do the honorable thing of covering him up. Instead, he goes and tells his brothers. And his brothers, Shem and Japheth, they will not look at their, their father in this condition and they cover him up. And so Ham is really, his son is cursed, Canaan. And so um, of course, there is some reading backwards here. When Moses writes this, he is going to bring his people into the land of promise, which is full of the nations that are descended from Canaan. And um, we often think about, I won't, I won't spend too much time on this, but sometimes we think like, how could God send the, uh, the people of, of Israel into the, the land of promise and to just take over the land that's already occupied by the Canaanites, you know, the Jebusites, and so on. These all these nations. How could God do this? Well, part of it is that that they are told those those nations are told to uh, either convert or leave. This will be a, a holy land. These people, though, they they're like much of our world today. They are um, 
they're full of murder and violence. They worship many gods. They, um, they sleep with, with children. They sacrifice, they literally sacrifice their children to, to idols. Uh, and so anyway, that's, that's a whole other thing, but we can see this coming up already here in Genesis uh, chapter 8 and 9 where, and 10, where the, the nation that, is, that God is choosing comes from the line of Shem, right? Which is where we get the word Sem, anti-Semites, right? Uh, or sem, Semitism, right? Don't want to spend any more time on Genesis, but if you have thoughts or questions, love to, um, to look into it more in depth. I love the story in Matthew chapter 4 when we get there. Jesus is fulfilling scripture. He is he knows the scriptures and what is prophesied of him. I'm going to just flip to Isaiah if I can find that. You might know the words from Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You might know that. But that chapter Isaiah 9 starts like this. It says that in the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And so we see in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus moves into this place to fulfill this scripture. He goes to Galilee of the nations. He goes to the land of, uh, the former land of Zebulun and Naphtali, and he comes to initiate the kingdom. And then, so it's beautiful. We see Jesus saying uh, these first words in, in the Gospel of Matthew, repent for the kingdom of heaven, it has come near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That, those are his first words. He announces uh, everyone, turn, turn back to God. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then we see him doing a few things. We see him um, teaching and we see him preaching or proclaiming the kingdom and we see him healing. This is what Jesus will do. He'll, he'll teach, he'll preach, he will heal, he'll gather. And then we see this great challenge where he then, okay, the kingdom is coming. Uh, he's basically saying, the king, I am on the stage. Here I am, uh, as, as John also predicted of me. And What's he do? He goes and calls some fishermen, right? Of all the people he could have called to be his ambassadors, to be his right-hand man, his left-hand man. It's a bunch of fishermen. And he says, come, follow me. And, and the brothers do it. Simon and Peter, they drop their stuff and they follow him. Probably not a full-time gig at this point. Probably um, a short-term trip. Come and I will teach you. Normally, in these days, a... A student would study, you know, at the schools and would then find a rabbi if they wanted to extend their their learning and attach themselves to that the school of that rabbi. Yeah. And so the rabbis are approached by students and the students have to get in. They have to measure up. They have to basically explain their part, uh, the reason that the rabbi should take them on. Well, Jesus does it backwards. Rather than being sought out, Jesus goes and seeks out, and he doesn't seek out the very best students, although uh, he'll turn these guys into pretty amazing people. Uh, but he seeks out, here we see Simon, uh, who is called Peter, he'll give him that nickname of Rock or Rocky, and his brother Andrew, and then we see James and John, and he fo they follow. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and this is the, 
answer to um, uh, the, the fulfillment of Scripture that, that says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. All right, so he shows up bringing light, which is a beautiful thing this time of year because it's so dark, but also in the church season, it's, it's turning into, it's still the season of Christmas, uh, but that then transfers into the season of Epiphany, which is the revelation of light. And then we have a beautiful, I don't know, Psalm 4 is beautiful. I'm just going to pray the whole thing here in the NIV. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God or God of my righteousness. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn to turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. I know I'm praying this, but I also just want to mention that as we're reading these Psalms, ask yourself, who is speaking? You know, in verse 1, the I'm speaking to God, right? Answer me when I call to you. And I, like, I really like how the, the ESV translates this, God of my righteousness. Uh, and then verse 2, the, the person, the, the speaker, the, the psalmist is then um, speaking to us, you know, speaking to the congregation. And then at the end, he's speaking to the Lord again. Um, many Lord, are, this is verse 6, many Lord are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. And we see that's what Jesus has come to do. When he shows up uh, in Capernaum, he comes bringing light to the nations. So Lord, let the light of your face shine on us. This is an amazing prayer because as a Jewish person praying this, no one has ever seen the face of God, right? They, um, this is a Psalm of David. He most likely for sure knows the stories of Moses and, and, and others who could not see the face of God, but saw his glory, you know, the Bible and, and the metaphor says like his back, his backside, uh, because to see him face to face, you would die. Um, but there's different ways of thinking about that. And then it ends with this. This is great. In peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone. Oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. So that's, that's the Psalm for the day. Oh Lord, answer that prayer. And he has, and he will. Proverbs 1, we won't look at it all, but verse 23, I like this. This kind of fits with what Jesus has said. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Here, wisdom, which I believe is our Lord, Jesus speaking to us to live, uh, to walk in step with him. It starts like this, verse 23, repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. Oh Lord, Give us repentance. Help us to repent at your correction so that uh, you might give us your own thoughts and make known to us your teachings, just as you showed up in Capernaum in Galilee and you taught, you preached, and you healed. Do those things for us even today. Well, thank you for joining me for the Jesus in the Center One Year Bible Podcast. Some random thoughts from, from me, Reiko Zek. And uh, we pray that God would bless you as you continue to grow in faith. Have a great day.